Yes, people, we are live. We are back again. Episode 4. Episodes are going to continue on rolling out. So this time, today, we are back. As I said, episode 4, the title, we will be discussing, reviewing the results of the Premier League last weekend and Monday, and discussing the new campaign for the Champions League and Europa League. Now, obviously, it's your boy Luke, aka Luciano again. We're back with two all-stars. We are missing the third person. But for now, introduce yourselves again, boys. It's Marjorie, aka Abdullah Show. I'm here to heal the world, especially myself right now. You know, I got my I got my drink. Yeah, I'm 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 sad at the moment. My club is <coughs> is uh, making me feel bad. So you know, I'm not healing United fans. They they're all right right now. But. <laughs> I see him out on the wing is getting me depressed. I ain't gonna lie. <coughs> uh, I'm Alan, also known as Alan, and uh, as you can tell, big United fan, bringing back the memories with the '99 kit. Uh, and uh, in the background, we've got Man United playing in the Champions League, which we're currently drawing. With a quick update for you guys, Martial it wasn't Martial on goal. I'm not too sure how it happened, but. Oh, he's going to get yeah. screwed for that. <laughs> he's going to get screwed. <laughs> don't know how yeah, it happened. He's definitely help. He's helping PSG there, boy. That's for damn sure. Come on, Marcia. You're challenging your your inner ninety ninety so that it can be trans transferred onto the current team. Yeah, exactly. Current team is winners. Hey, I'm just saying, isn't it? I'm just saying. I'm happy right. to see. Yeah, sorry, go on, let's go. No, go on, you're happy to see. Uh, t- t- oh, wait, it's ten, Alex, ten, ten what? Uh, no, 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 the, uh, oh, uh, Twanzy. Yeah, mate, happy to see him start, mate, he's done really well, man. Put in a few tackles, keeping Mbappe quiet for now. So, yeah, yeah good start for him, man, good start for him. This should be the formation used, private Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I feel like, I feel like Oli should, I mean, like, I don't know, we, I, I wish he played that a bit more. I mean, I like the formation, but when we're playing against, I would have put him like, in the beacon. Mm, hopefully, we see him come on soon, but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Alright, So, uh, before we begin into the Champions League Europa League topic, mainly the Champions League because that's where our club is anyway, and that's the yeah. trophy that we generally care about. But we, before we get into that, um, I would like to let the people know who are watching and who are invested in this show, that the Fantasy Football League between us has started, okay? The results have come through, and Margie, at the moment, is top with seven points. Alan is second place with five points, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, five points. I'm third place with two points, and Chins is last at the moment with zero points. It sounds about right because he's yeah. an Arsenal fan. <laughs> um, <coughs> on, on to that, add on to that. Um, do you know what? It could have been, com- I mean, we could probably, after, we can lead on to what we're going to talk about, but it could have been different, our fantasy league, depending on that Everton and Liverpool result. Because I know yeah. uh, Marjorie read that as 2-2, but it also was 3-2 for about two minutes, maybe a minute and a half, into Liverpool, which uh, Luke, you had. And if it wasn't for that ca- catastrophic, VAR decision, which me, I'm happy because it ended up with a draw, draw. But I mean, like, yeah, you guys were easily robbed, and you were robbed of a point. So if it came through, 
I mean, it could have been different in regards to the result. So, of yeah, course. But, um, we're, we're, we'll talk about that. We are going to lead into that now, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, in terms of the actual result of the financial, um, not financial, the fantasy football league, um, the link for that will be in the description. So people can um, look at our results, look at the standings, and they can follow the journey with us um, if you guys are interested. So mm-hmm. obviously, leading on to what you said, Alan, I want to start first just because I have a bit of taste in my mouth. The overall <coughs> result, I felt like I was, I was my team was screwed um, from start to finish. Um, the, the, the tackle on Van Dyke was just ludicrous. Ludicrous. Mm. Me and Marjorie agreed that Pickford, uh, um, caused a, a GBH, a GBH assault because that was outlandish. I, I've never seen a keeper dive in like that. And he didn't even need to dive in. He did not need to dive in, but he went in in a malicious tackle. I don't care. It was a malicious tackle. And the fact that the referee had did not see it for one because he was literally outside the box. So he had a clear line of sight. Yeah. But the fact that he didn't blow the whistle for that. And secondly, the fact that whoever was in, in control of VAR needs to go back to referee and school <clears throat> because he is shocking. Yeah, and I, apparently I found out that he's been taken off of refereeing this weekend. So maybe, yeah, so maybe that's punishment. I don't know. But, um, he's an idiot because mm. even if it was offside, which it was, you still need to go back and review what happened after because a player got yeah. injured. Yeah. So surely common sense has to prevail and, um, review and assess what happened in that situation as well regardless if it was offside it's a clear red card so we lost our main center back and i said in episode three that the one area that i deem will cost us is the center back position because we let Lovren go and we didn't rectify it by bringing someone else now i'm confident in the youth prospects that we have you know, we've got Reese Williams, who's exceptional, was calm in defence with Virgil van Dijk against Arsenal. Um, he was he was brilliant. And then we've got another guy called Billy uh, Baltimore, something like that. I can't even uh, pronounce his name properly. Uh, <coughs> but he's another person that's good. But again, keyword prospects. They're prospects, and that's it. They're not. Yeah. ready-made talents. They're not mm. world-class players to come in and fill, fill the void of Van Dyke. We currently have two crop defenders. Right now, Matip's fitness is coming into question um, leading up to the next match against West Ham. So we might only have Joe Gomez as a fit centre-back. So it's just poor, ne- poor negligence from Jurgen Klopp and the board. And maybe it's, it's arrogance as well to think that Fabino can step in and fill the void. And to me, he's on. Unc- okay, yeah, he's done well in that position, but that's not his natural position. And we need someone to protect the back four. And Henderson isn't the type of player to shield that back four. He will leave our midfield <coughs> exposed. So for me, it's just dysfunction 
all throughout the middle to the centre back position. Um and I'm not confident at all going on to the to the remainder of, of, of the campaign. Um and yes, in terms of the the us getting the free two and me, you know, getting the points obviously, you know, being on top of, of the fantasy football league, we did get screwed because Mane Mane was not offside. Mane was not offside at all. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like um whoever was in charge of VAR was purposefully taking out pixels to try find a reason to call an offside because he was literally onside. I I don't no one can tell me that the guy was offside. He wasn't. So I hundred percent believe we did get screwed. Um and I said this to Marjorie um privately and I said this to you Alan. I believe football's done. I think the sport yeah. is finished. It's completely mm. finished. Um ever since VAR is coming to it. Referee decisions was poor anyway, but I suppose we could all, you know, get over it. But now that we've got VAR stepping into the game, for me it's just it's just ruining the game year by year on now. And for me it's like you've you've now given the power to the to the referees on the pitch to look at the screen. In that situation for both the Mane goal and the Van Dyke injury, he could have gone and looked at the screen. He could have, but he didn't do it. So I feel like the lack of communication from the higher up to the referee on the pitch and just also the um just VAR in itself is just destroying the game and ruining the game man. It 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 gets to the point where it's like do I even want to watch football anymore? Because you're watching the game, the beautiful game, things are going so well, the match is good, whether you're winning or losing, VAR decision comes up, and when you see the ludicrous decisions, and it's like, hold on, how have you given that as a penalty? How is that a yellow card? How is that a foul? It's it's crazy, man. The, the game for me is, is done, but I don't want to keep rambling on, so... Margie, I know you want to run because you've had a, a, your team bold a, a, a real winning performance, um, and it was it was exceptional football. I, I can't lie, the attack was was on song, but again, defense and Kepa Fish like Pickford is just ruined the game for you guys. So let me know your thoughts. Um, before I start on to Chelsea, I do want to add a few bits and bobs to that Liverpool fixture. I think um, for me, in terms of like VAR, in terms of offside, I think it should be based on if the the attackers getting an advantage. So if they're if they're offside, they should be getting an advantage from that position. And in both cases, they aren't. And I think that should be a change in the rules. And they had the whole summer to change it. And this, alongside the fact that for my game, I would have had to pay fourteen ninety five to watch it on Skybox Office. That's ridiculous. May. The referee decisions, VAR, all that, that is ridiculous. The fact that they have some of the worst referees at the VAR office, so you're, you're putting the big decisions on guys who aren't qualified or just recently qualified in terms of what they are capable of. So I was, I was watching um, a program on Sky and they were talking about after the game, after the Olympic game, and they were talking about maybe putting the best referees in the VAR office. And having the, the, the ones that are less experienced actually in the game, because the big decisions 
that are, are changing a fixture from a, a scoreline from a win to a draw are the ones in the office in VAR. And I feel like that's the problem. These re- most of these referees aren't qualified enough to be dealing with these high level games. Mm-hmm. And and it's take and it's and the VAR office is taking power from the on field referee, making them feel inferior and, and, and allowing them to, to shy away from the big decisions as well, meaning that they're they're getting more decisions wrong overall. But um yeah, I digress I on that point. I agree. Well one thing I want to say about Chelsea game is for me the two issues that I've had and I will always have why is Kepa starting I don't want to see him in my squad I don't want to see him in, as a sub I don't want to see him in Champions League FA Cup League Cup I don't want to see him in any game for me he's 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 finished he, as a keeper he's made the most mistakes leading to a goal by himself compared to all other keepers together and he's done more that more is unacceptable I think it's by a, himself I think oh, yeah wow. the stat is yeah I think yeah I think I heard it. I think Sky or BT Sports said it that basically the stat is um, Kepa alone is is fault for about twenty to twenty five percent of goal mistaken. Um, what's it? Mistakes that led to a goal. Not wow. in Chelsea. Not in Chelsea. The whole Premier League. So wow. a big like a quarter of mistakes are just Kepa's mistakes, which is Kepa. not a stat that you really want to be stuck with. You. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. So it is. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. If I had someone like Kepa, I would not want him mm. anywhere near that bench or the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you guys just, got Mendy. If Mendy's 100%, I mean, yeah, exactly. you guys are looking but good. We, but we have Caballero as well. I'd have rather started him, in my opinion. Yeah. He's a decent keeper. Also, having a shit keeper means that your defence isn't as, as stable as they once were. If you look at Zuma, he's alongside Christian. He has Kepa at the back. He makes those mistakes because he's around rubbish. You put a man around, you put a man that isn't 100% in his own abilities, you put him around rubbish, then he makes those kind of mistakes that led to the second goal. Yeah. And another thing that I want to talk about, my issue, a big issue that I have is, I don't get it, I don't don't know why that Lampard keeps on, on, on putting Mason Mount on the wing. He never did anything for us uh, before the international break. During the international break, he was playing for England on the wing, and he was ghost for most of those games. And and uh, the game, yes, uh, the last game, he was ghost as well. He's not a winger. As a six, as an eight, he's great. He's he's pretty much the mini Lampard. He's the he's the reborn Lampard in terms of six or eight. But as a seven or eleven on the wings, we have Callum Hudson-Odoi on the bench. We we denied him to go to Bayern Munich. So why aren't we starting him? Why aren't we playing him on the right wing? If you see the Crystal Palace game. We played two wingers, we played one up front, and we destroyed them 4-0. And this is the issue. We would have defeated, we would have won that game if we had two wingers on, because they would have been scared of our attack in terms of what we could do going forward, meaning they wouldn't have pressed us as high, they wouldn't have had bravery in terms of their attacking nature, and we would have been able to get in behind them with Kai Havertz uh, sorting out both wings and uh, Timo Werner with uh, passes. And I felt like if these changes... When, when were put into place, we would have won. We we would have won more games and we'll have more points at this point of the season. And he's making the same mistake again and again, putting him out on the wing. And I feel like if he continues to do this throughout the season, he's even doing it in the Champions League game and it's not working. So for me, he keeps doing that. That then sooner or later his job's gonna be. Maybe him out on the wing might be. Um, he might be playing him out on a wing due to defensive protection. 
because of the work rate, him tracking back and Hudson Odoi not being able to do that. So he's leaving that area, the defence exposed behind him. That might be the reason why. <clears throat> I don't agree. We have a double pivot of um, of Kovacic or Jorginho or Kovacic and Kante. And especially when Kante is involved, he does the running. He does the work rate. He's the one that's meant to be looking after the defence. Our attacking three need to be ones putting fear into into the defence. You need to beat the man. Mason Mount isn't beating beating your left back. Any left back that's coming up against Mason Mount is like <laughs> easy work today. They're not they're not they're not worried about him. He's the typical workman passion merchant, but that's not going to help when it comes to winning games. You need a right winger that can go down the wing, pass a man, put fear, put a couple chops in. You know, has some skill, some source. Mount Mason Mount is sourceless. He's a six or an eight. He's not a winger. He's a midfield. He's a workman midfielder. That's. He would be be perfect for like a Liverpool in their midfield, but he, he, he ain't working on the wing. He ain't replacing Mane or Salah or something like that. And if my ambition for my club is to be a Premier League champion, you need better man on the wing. I agree. I agree. Um, what about you, uh, Alan? We were um, obviously in a prediction. We were all uh, it's, it's in uh, Newcastle to beat your team, and you was the only one that stood by your team, and you predicted the result correctly, which I'm surprised at. So yeah, tell me your thoughts. 4-1, man. What a beautiful one. I'll quickly go run through what I felt about your like the Everton and Liverpool game. By the way, one of the most entertaining Merseyside derbies that we've had for a while. It um, was. Yeah. Uh, in regards to that VA decision, it's the people making those decisions are an absolute joke. Um, and I was telling you, uh, I was talking to you privately, um, but what annoys me most about the incident that happened in um with uh Kef, um not Kevin with uh Pickford and uh Van Dyke and then Ricollison and Thiago was that they were both I mean dangerous tackles but they both were they both happened they both happened straight after the whistle was blown for a separate incident so obviously we know the offside but then Van Dyke you know, what happens to Van Dyke? So he doesn't give it to him because, oh, it's the offside that we need to contact first and it happened off the offside. Fair enough. If that's the case, that's the case. But then later on in the game, uh, he, 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 I've watched it over again. He blows the whistle for, um, is it Yaya y- 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 Mina, uh, the Everton centre back? Yeah. He tackles, he tackles Mane. By the way, Mane is, Mane is, is, Quite lucky because he actually kicks out back at him and he trips over, mm. but no one watches it. Uh, but anyway, he gives him the he blows the foul for that, but then straight after he blows the foul for that, Ricollison comes and does that disgusting tackle to Thiago, and then he gives him the red card. So the exact same thing in regards to oh dangerous tackle after my whistle's been blown, I'm going to give him a red card. Why didn't you do the same with Pickford then? Because it was the exact same, uh, obviously not same tackle, but. Outcome, both very dangerous tackles. You know what I mean? Both, yeah. So it's just inconsistent for me in regards to that game. Um, and um, uh, what else did I have to say? Oh, I found out the stat that that goal that Keane scored uh, was Everton's first goal that they've scored in that derby game in Goodison Park. Oh, Sit wow. before, yeah, before then, it was Lukaku in October of 2015. He scored oh, wow. that. Uh, he scored in a Dar- Merseyside derby that happened in Goodison Park. 
But um, yeah, I was just gonna say uh, with that though, with Van Dyke out, I mean, it like I think we said it in one of the earlier podcasts. This could easily be a, a Premier League season where a team like Leicester or a team that's never won the Premier League before could win it. It could easily be that. I just I was talking to my little brother and I was like, you know what? And it can easily happen. I don't think the top four from last season, United, Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, might not win it this season. I don't think us top four will win it. It could you I don't know, man. If Tottenham if Tottenham don't bottle it, which they did in uh, which we'll talk about later, I mean, if they didn't bottle that game, I mean they could have they look strong, they look scary. But I mean, like they they bottled it in the last eight minutes, and I'm just, I mean it's classic Tottenham to bottle a three nil win uh, in the last ten minutes. Um, but yeah, in regards to the United game, we were unlucky to score that on goal by Luke Shaw. Um, just yeah, but, but towards that attack, I did see that our defense was a bit all over the place. Well, I wasn't happy about that. Um, I thought it was a massive gamble for Oli to play Maguire. I felt like. After the international games, he just wasn't there. Carving off a poor performance against Tottenham, uh, 6-1 points was just, I just thought he just needed a break. But Oli stuck with these men, stuck with the captain. Uh, he got the equalizing goal, which, uh, I mean, paid off to Oli Gordon Solskjaer. Um, and I thought Rashford performed really well in the center. Uh, we had to play him in the center. We didn't have, um, Martial, so we played him in the center. Got a goal, got two assists, and um, yeah, man, I hope I see Rashford more in the centre. Like, even in regards to the Champions League game today, we're playing two up front. Um, and it looks like, I mean, I can't see the second half, but the first half looked like it paid, it was, we were doing really well. But um, yeah, that's all I really got to say about my uh, oh, United's performance from the weekend. Okay, so um, mm. I'm a. Uh... I'm going to run through the uh, the fixtures that does happen and then um, I will let you guys uh, decide which which uh, mm. which matches stood out for you um, for in terms of um, the performance or scoreline. And then obviously we can discuss uh, which matches stood out for you and then we'll go yeah. into the Champions League uh, predictions. Right, so cool, cool. Um, obviously Saturday... Merseyside Derby 2-2 um, Chelsea and Southampton 3-3 Man City got the the, the 1-0 uh, victory against uh, Arsenal and I'd United, like to talk about that one No worries United uh, won the uh, 4-1 uh, uh, victory against Newcastle and Sheffield and Fulham uh, had a 1-1 draw uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton had a 1-1 draw Tottenham bottled a 3-0 lead to obviously draw the match 3-3, which I would like to speak about. Mm. Um, Aston Villa left it late to win against Leicester City 1-0. I'd like to talk about that one as well. And uh, on the Monday's fixture uh, was a board draw, West Brom uh, versus Burnley 0-0. And lastly, the last entertaining one that I actually thought Leeds would win, but Wolves left it Mm. late to win. 1-0 1-0 against Leeds. Um, I'd like to talk about that last game. That game was great. Yeah. Okay, so, By the way, uh, Burnley and West Brom, first 0-0 game in the Premier League. We were doing like absolutely entertaining football and then they come and do 0-0. And if you were a Burnley fan or West Brom fan, you had to pay to watch that. 
Remy, you paid fifteen pounds to watch your team do nothing. Uh, by the way, I'm not I'm not into this paying. Like Man United's game was also paid to watch as well, and I don't agree with this fifteen pound night, fifteen fourteen pound ninety five to pay. It's just, do you know what I mean? I'm already paying for subscription for Sky and BT, and you're asking me to pay extra for a thing. And we were talking about this. Sorry, we want, we didn't have this on the agenda, but I'll quickly run through it. But if it's for the, because there's no fans coming into the stadiums, obviously, normally, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would have only three, four games in a day, because every three o'clock game would be shown, would never be shown, because originally trying to get fans back into the stadium, so they wouldn't show the three o'clock games. That's fair enough, but on a Sunday, you showed every game anyway. So why are you charging me on a Sunday to watch a game that I would have anyway would have got free on a Sunday anyway because I pay for whatever. It's just, do you know what I mean? In, in addition to this new European Premier League thing, I'm just, it's all about money. It's all about money. And uh, it just, like you said, man, the VAR and money just, it can ruin the beautiful game that we watch. And, yeah, and that's, uh, I think I'm touching on that because that seems like it's, it's this, that European Super League thing is going to be drawn oh, out. Man. So I think that will be a separate topic, which to be honest with you, uh, we can discuss on a Thursday, to be honest, because it's yeah. quite fresh and recent. Um, yeah. Along with obviously previewing the fixtures and doing our fantasy football league. That sounds good, as well. that So sounds yeah, good. we will touch up on that. So that's good um, that you brought that up, Alan. Um, so mm. we'll go with you, um, uh, Margie, because you said you wanted to speak about the Arsenal Man City one, and that's obviously on the Saturday, so that's the first fixture, of course. So the Man City versus Arsenal one, um, what is your thoughts on the match? And um, I believe you predicted uh, you predicted Man City to win 2-1. So yeah, go, go yeah. for it. For me, um, the reason why I predicted City is because Arsenal haven't won an away game against the big, uh, top six club in a long time. I mean, Crystal Palace have done it more. And I think the game on Saturday was down to Arteta making wrong decisions. He gave Man City too much respect. He respected Pep too much. And he created a formation that wasn't, conduct, uh, wasn't allowing them to attack at all. The, the major problem was putting Willian as a false nine. He's never played that position in his career. It made no sense. He had uh, Pepe on the right or Bamiang on the left. All we had to do was put a Bamiang down the middle, William on the, on the left, and have them as two, a free attacking and have similar formation and counter-attack. With that free in them in them positions, they would know what they're doing, at least. The, the other issue I had is they never started party. For me, it was always going to be a midfield battle against C. And bringing a man like Party allows you to dominate that midfield because he's he's big, he's strong, he's a Ghanaian man. You know what I'm talking about. He can run with the ball and he offers you something different than you already have. And that's why you paid the money for him. So the fact that you only put him on for eight minutes, or at least eight, like eight minutes, really, like what was the point of that? You could have put him on at half time if he if he wasn't fit or uh, ready enough for the full game, and and. Uh, cause the change in into that match to allow for you to counter-attack them in a more sufficient way. But he also, he never made changes quick enough. You could see from the first half that what he was doing was not working. They were getting dominated with Man City holding up most of the ball. They were very lucky in terms of the fact that City weren't finishing the chances. 
And for me, City in that game won 100%. They weren't even 50. So they were they were there for the taking in terms of if Arteta decided at halftime was like, you know what, we're going to switch up, go more attacking and go for their throats, they could have got something from that game. And to be honest, I'm lucky in the fact that he never did that because it ended up City winning 1-0. And I think if I'm an Arsenal, as speaking, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be upset and disappointed in, in the in the lineup, in the way we played, and also in the way they played, and also in Arteta for not being able to change it at half time. Because these are the kind of games, these are the big games that you need to get points from and win. These are the, the ones that are going to mean more rather than the little teams. And the fact that it's another game against the big six away that they bottled which they should have, they should have won, and everyone else predicted they won. And if most people would have said that Arsenal were the bet, were the favourites going into it, because they were on more on form, they were playing well, they had Arteta at the wheel, and as as you say, I feel like it it was just terrible in terms of what he wanted to do. It didn't, it just didn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. Yeah, because um, Alan, you actually did the complete. Opposite, so you actually picked Arsenal to one. So why? Was yeah, that? I honestly thought, you know what, Man City in the last few games, and I felt like even this game, I felt like they're just missing something up front. Uh, just the firepower. Like last season, they were killing us, mad goals, mad shots. But I'm just not seeing it anymore. Not seeing it. I'm not sure what it is. Aguero coming back um, wasn't still felt a bit absent to me. Uh, by the way, Aguero should have never laid his hand on the uh, lines, woman. Yeah, uh, yeah. doesn't I'm, matter. I'm surprised it, he, he, he ain't getting fined for that. Yeah, he should have got a yellow card. Yeah, like ref. Yeah, you can't be touched. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it was a. It looks worse because it was a female, but um, you can't be. Uh, can't be. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I think Man United just scored, so I think we're winning two one at the moment with four minutes to go. I think I don't know yet, but anyway, oh, back no. to the man. Hand. Back to the man. Hand. Uh, yeah, I just I I felt like Arteta did really well. Um, like Arsenal, I mean, like yeah, well, Marjorie said that Arsenal have done really poor against the top six, and they have failed to win. I think I think it's been more than five years. I can't remember what the stat is. It's it's an absolutely crazy amount of time since they haven't won against the top six, and um, yeah, it is just it's. It's a mad stat to have, um, but um, um, I thought they could change it. I thought they had like they were coming off. They would, they would be doing all right. Arsenal attacking, doing that, attacking football. But yeah, like what Marjorie said, they performed. You know, they, they put William as a false nine, and they didn't start party. It's it was strange. It was strange. So, but um, yeah, I thought Arsenal could have had it. No, like like um, like Marjorie said, they gave Man City too much respect. Respect, they didn't push the game towards them, um, and they paid for it one nil. They could have easily, easily could have got a point out of it easily, but decided not to. So yeah, I yeah. I actually went for a two nil victory, so I was actually mm. confident that Arsenal would get a clean sheet. <laughs> crazy, which is what. The reason why I went for such a scoreline is because I felt like you you touched upon it, Alan. The the um the the lack of of strikers that they currently have up front. Um, you know, Aguero is Aguero is out injured. Um, Jesus is currently um lacking in form. 
Um, Sterling hasn't really got his shooting boots, so he's not hitting top gear at the mm. moment. Um, their defence, they don't really have that solid balance in defence anymore. And mm. personally, I still think they haven't replaced Vincent Company. Um, whereas on the flip side, Arsenal right now, they're, into their, they're in their groove, they're in their stride. Um, Arteta's creating some real magic over in their camp. Um, they've been on, on a good form. Within eight months, they've won two trophies under his guidance. Um, yes, Aubameyang has, has been lacking in goals since he signed that contract. But I feel that with the new additions, the new ideas, the fact that, you know, even during the restart of football, um, after the lockdown, they beat Man City. They beat Liverpool. You know, they beat Tottenham. Like they were on good runs and beating big teams, so uh, I saw as you know what maybe they can bring that that winning mentality, that new mentality, um, to the Etihad and prove something. Um, and you know from what Margie was saying, because I didn't watch the match, but the fact that you go into the game playing a false nine, something that Pep would do, you know, that's Pep's signature. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Um, I, I think he's he deviated from his style of football um, to counter-react Pep and it just went against him. I think if he played the normal way, playing a Bamiyang on the left, Lacazette up front, having a natural striker up front, even if Lacazette isn't scoring, but at least you have that striker, that, that goal threat. Um, or play like um, Bamiyang through the middle if you're not fancying Lacazette. Um, have Bakari Saka on the left or William on the left and have Pepe on the right. You know, at least you have free a, a free potent um uh lineup um that can cause damage to a, a weak city defence. Um but yeah I agree with Margie. He showed him too much respect and obviously it backfired. Um and the only person that benefited from the scoreline was obviously Margie that benefited from it. Um, so, so yeah. So, we'll move on to, to the game that I want to discuss, which is Tottenham versus West Ham. Now, that match was very good. Um, the football was excellent. Tottenham was on form. They were on fire, scoring three goals in, I believe, 30 minutes. So, they were on job, crew sailing. I would like to know two things. What the team talk was for Mourinho for them to bottle such a free goal lead and what the team talk was for David Moyes for them to somehow find mm. that winning mentality to come back and get the free goals. Because mm. it's such a contrast. You wouldn't think that West Ham was losing, losing that game when they came out. Um, but fair play to David Moyes. I've never really been his biggest fan. But I've always said he was a decent manager. But to to come back and 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 apply that pressure to Tottenham it was amazing. It, it was a good strategy that they must have tweaked something in the second half. But it was a good strategy that he implemented. And fair play to him. Um, Gareth Bell was one hundred percent. I know for a fact he's upset with himself because that chance. The fact how he skilled those two players, got through 1v1, 
and he missed. I don't get it. Maybe we could say it's a lack of match fitness because he hasn't played football in so long. But then when you think about it, someone in that position of his quality, we can't use match fitness as an excuse. You know, Gareth Bell finishes those for breakfast. Mm. So, um, and then obviously, you know, we all know what happened after straight after that five, ten minutes after um, Serge Power Aurier. Um, obviously fouled the guy, which I don't think was a foul. I think it was soft, but obviously it was a foul. And then Lanzini brought back the Andres Iniesta um, goal that you know he did against uh, Chelsea in the in the. Hey, no, no, don't talk about that. No, don't bring that back. <laughs> that's bad memories right there. <laughs> but you know that's remin- reminiscent of that. That's a you know, the, that that goal was beautiful. A player of Lanzini's quality, who, to be honest, when you think about Lanzini, hasn't really been showing that a lot. A lot, you know, he's been in and out of the team. He's been injured. He, you know, so for him to come into the team and deliver such a, a beautiful shot, just reminding everyone about his quality, um, I think that was fantastic. Um, but that's my view on the game. I'm gutted that you know I didn't get the. Um, the points, you know, I predicted Tottenham to win 3-1 and in actuality 3-1 could have happened if they just saw out, you know, the, the, the game. Um, so again, I got screwed in that, that sense. I didn't get the points. Um, but you know, it was a good entertaining match, I, I must say. So, um, Alan, what's your, what's your views on the, on the game? You did predict, uh, um, you predicted uh, Spurs 3-2 to win 3-2 yeah so, so was, again for you you could have got the result as well yeah um, yeah man I've just I, I couldn't I mean well done to David Moyes and the West Ham boys for not for not giving up and uh, having a having a never die attitude right to the end I mean yeah getting back 3-3 the whole completely deserved the point from it um, but mate looking at Tottenham's it's the Son and Kane, mate. Something else right now, man. Especially, oh, mate, their partnership. And you know what? Kane's performance on that game was absolutely mad. He was like, he played a little bit deep, like a playmaker, but was also then ran up front to have scored two goals. And um, he was also in the defence to save uh, a crazy shot. On, it would have been a, a shot target, I reckon. But he ran in and slid in the... I can't remember who took the shot, but he slid in and defended it. Like, mad. A world... Captain performance from him, but um, yeah, classic Tottenham bottling it. Mental. Literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. It's a shame though because um, you know this could be the season that they actually challenge and do but something. It... But you know, we always say it. The pundits always say say it. These are the games that you need to be winning. <laughs> These are the games that you need to be winning in order to win the league. Because if you can beat the big teams, all you want by it is the small teams that cause problems for the big teams. Yeah. And if you're not seeing out games like this, which is the schoolboy error in Tottenham's behalf, you're you're not gonna win anything. Um, so you know it's it's just unfortunate. But again, kudos to West Ham um, for that. Well, what's your opinion, Margie? Because you um, predicted uh, Spurs to win four one. So it could happen. It could have happened. Yeah, um, yeah it should have. But, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think the second half is is well. 
Let me talk about the first half first. Give it a second. For me, the first half showed how great Harry Kane is as a striker. I think he needs to be more respected more. I think he does um he does Bobby Firmino better than Bobby Firmino, in my opinion. He, he's being used as like a as a ten. So he, he he pretty much creates chances for the wingers, whether it be Son, Bale, or Mora, Bergwijn on the wings. And them going in behind and him being able to pick out the passes. You saw it against um against United, you saw it at, in previous games and you saw it at the start, the first twenty, thirty minutes where they blitzed them and, and, and got got to that great start of being three 0 up. My thing is with the second half is this is typical Jose. I think what he said at half time is to to go back to defend more and, and 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 drop back a bit more and try and hold the lead. But that's the problem. It doesn't work in the modern game. Because the moment that you drop back, you get and allow the uh, allow West Ham to put to have a presence on the ball to be able to pass it around. Throughout that half, they got more and more confidence. So instead of killing off the game, which they should have done, getting the fourth, getting the fifth, you know, putting the knife on on the sword, edging them, you know, attacking, 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 they decided to do what Josie does best: try and pop the bus. But they don't have the defense for it. Their centre backs are woeful. Their, their, their fullbacks are decent enough, but, uh, Ore, obviously, even Jose said it himself in the, in the, uh, prime documentary. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you. Sometimes you do good. Sometimes you, you, you give penalty away. And it showed it, it was their defensive frailties that led for West Ham to come back and get, make it 3-3. And I think it was a missight on, on Jose. And it was great on Moyes to, to still, uh, instill that belief. On the players to keep on attacking, to keep going for for Tottenham on the on the second half, and I think that's what West Ham got the point back because they grew in confidence over the second half because Tottenham weren't finishing off the game, and even Declan Rice said it in his interview afterwards. He was surprised that Tottenham didn't try and kill us off, and that's the thing. Three 0 in the modern day Premier League isn't going to win you a game anymore. You need the fourth, you need the fifth, you need the sixth. Because the defense is the fence in modern day Premier League is gone, and I think this is going to lead to a statement which I'm going to say right now that the Premier League is is moving like a farmers league in terms of defense. It's just t- absolutely terrible. There is not one defense defensive unit that I look at and say, "Oh, they're solid." And 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 even with Liverpool, they they may have the first four that are solid, but the things that they have coming in behind, they got rid of they got rid of. Um, Lovren, they got rid of that young uh, Hoover on right back, and I, and they never replaced. They never got the fourth centre back. So even them, there is no solid unit of defence. And back in the day, you could name multiple centre backs in multiple teams that were solid, like your Saul Campbell's, your Terry's, your Ferdinands, even the ones that were injured a lot, even your Levy Kings, your Woodgates. It's not the same. The Premier League, in terms of defence, is not the same, and it's, especially centre backs, it's worrying. The fact that Maguire is going for 80 million is showing how the lack of defenders there are in this league right now. And for me, uh, it's, it's blown this league wide open in terms of you never know what's going to happen because none of these defenses are secure. No one can keep hold of you know, a 1 0 or a 2 0 or a 3 0. And it's looking like uh, even an Aston Villa or a, or a, or a Everton or a Wolves could even win the league this season. Oh, yeah. mate. Imagine if Villa won, mate. Because, I mean, that would replicate what happened to Leicester. Because the season before Leicester won it, they were fighting a relegation battle. Exactly what happened to Villa last year. 
And now Villa are killing it at the moment, winning four out of four uh, with Ross Barkley um, last minute go. And I mean, man, never say never. You know what I'm saying? This, like you said, this season's wide open. It could be anyone's anyone's season. Speaking of Villa, which I'm glad you t- you just said that is the yeah. next uh, match that I wanted to discuss because you wanted Me to uh, speak yeah. about that. So um, obviously, Alan, you uh, said that Aston Villa would win two one, and obviously by watching a match, really and truly, the match it it, it wasn't really going to gift us any goals. Um, mm. It generally was going to be that that snatching grab performance. Yeah. Um, so why did you go for the two one, and what was your thoughts on that? I just felt like Villa could have edged it, uh, but with Vardy Barnes uh, still being a threat, so I thought they could easily nick a goal. But at the end of the day, I thought um, Villa could have easily nicked it with Grealish performing amazingly and uh, Ross Barkley getting some second win in his career. Um, but um, yeah, I thought that's why I thought it'd be two one. But in regards to the game itself, Martin, I just want to say Martinez performed absolutely amazing. Good move for him to go to Villa. Um, and uh, I've got a stat here that he did five saves. Uh, Casper Schumacher did none. I mean, there probably were. I didn't watch the game. I, there wasn't much. I don't know. If there was much uh, shots taken, but I mean, uh, five saves. I mean, clean sheet. Nice. Well done to Martinez. And Ross Barkley scoring a last-minute goal from outside the box is just crazy. Um, two for two now for him. Um, the last time he scored two goals in the Premier League for Chelsea was uh, last year in July against Watford. That was one goal. And then before then, before then, October 2018 versus Burnley. That's two years ago since he scored another goal in the Premier League. Granted, he scored goals in the FA Cup, League Cup and such. Uh, Europa League Cup but two goals in the Premier League it was about a space of like 42 games when he was playing Chelsea and looks like he's just kind of like got a second win for himself so well done well done to Villa to be honest man and uh, I'd like to see I'd like to see where they end in this season yeah. top four don't know challenging for Europa League probably but we'll see <laughs> maybe <you know. laughs> uh, what about um, what about you Margie because you also uh, went along with Alan's scoreline and predicted a, a 2-1 win for Aston Villa. Um, for me, uh, Villa on at the moment are on form. So the way they're playing right now, the way they are moving about their business, they're doing really well. And to be honest, they could have a good first half and then uh, falter down in the second. But at the moment, they look like a team that knows what they're doing. They're playing great football. Obviously, if injuries happen and whatnot, whatnot, then they could falter. And for me, Leicester, for some reason this season, they haven't been playing well at all. They, they, they've looked shocking. And I don't know what happened. Maybe it's because of the way that they fell after the lockdown and the way they bottled top four. Like They were comfortably in third and then they finished fifth and then and they lost Chilwell. Uh, they got Castanian, which was decent. They got in that uh, under, but I feel like it's, it's, it's a kind of thing with them where they, they saw the promised land and they, and ever since then they've just fell, fell, fell and fell. And I think they're going back to reality in terms of who they are as a team. So for me, it was just that Aston Villa looked, looked better in terms of the football they were playing going into that game. And, and throughout that game, 
I mean, it was it was it was it was going to be a ball draw, but obviously Ross Barkley came in the last minute, and I thought for me, uh, Chelsea are going to regret uh, letting Ross Barkley go because I feel like he's someone that in midfield that we could use because we're very short in midfield, and Arsenal should have never let Martinez go because they need because you need two keepers, and that shows when you see what Kepa's doing for us as a backup. So now they have some next unknown guy. So. If Leno gets injured throughout the season, any time in the season, or has a layoff, or you know, gets a red card or something. Martinez could have been that player that maybe even pushed even to get the first place for Arsenal. So I felt like it was very weak of them to let him go. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree with you. And to piggyback off of the, what's happened to Leicester season, it's Brendan Rodgers, bro. Uh, Anytime you give him a new contract, everything capitulates after. Liverpool gave him a new contract, we capitulated, and then the 6 1 being off of Stoke, and then he was gone. Same with same thing with Leicester. Riding high, top four was theirs, solidified. No one came close. Nor was Chelsea, nor United. Gave him a new contract, capitulated out the top four, ended up fifth. And now they've continued on that same form. And it doesn't look like they're going to be recapturing that same form anytime soon. And, and this is what happens when you give managers new contracts before their time, before you're supposed to, you know, see how the season goes first and then agree a new deal once the season ends. Don't do it middle of the season because mm. then, you know, players get distracted. They're like, okay, the manager's in now. Let's let's relax a bit. Same things happened to Oli on the social at United. Exactly. Riding high for six months. Yeah. He was doing well. Then United said, you know what? That PSG um, win was, was good. Yes, granted, yeah. they've won again today. But yeah. the PSG win was good. Let's give him a new contract. What's happened? They capitulated. You know, and and they've been on a mediocre rise, um, going up, then back down, then up, then down, very inconsistent. So, you know, I think clubs tend to jump the gun a bit too much. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes they need to be a bit patient, um, stand firm, hold firm a bit, wait. And then if the time is right to reward the manager, then reward them. Um, but to do it in the middle of the season, just after a few months of success is, is quite stupid for me. Um, mm. But for me, I went with a 1-1 draw. Um, so I actually could have got a draw either way, whether it was 0-0 or 1-1. Um, and I would have got the points for it. The reason why I went for a 1-1 draw is because, yes, Aston Villa are on the rise, but we have to, we have, we have to take into account that it is still Aston Villa. You know, you don't just manage to scrape the relegation and then all of a sudden overnight you become a good team. You know, it, it just doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen. Yes, Leicester City, yes, but keep in mind, Leicester City still had decent players during that time. Um, and they capitalised well off of transitional periods in every single team. Every club during that time either had a new manager or they were struggling to to um, replace certain big names. So, you know, I, I believe Arsenal was the only team that could potentially challenge for that league that season. Obviously, we all know what happened. They bowled it. Um, 
you've got the same thing again with Aston Villa and again with Leicester I've touched on it already but I believe that Leicester still has the capabilities of still scoring you know you can't have a world class striker like Vardy and not be like okay we're not going to win this game but because of those variables in terms of you know Villa's form last season and Leicester's current form now I thought you know what a draw is 100% going to happen um, I didn't watch the match. I only watched a few clips of it, and the game was an all right game. Um, but fair play to to Ross Barkley. I've, I've always been a fan of Ross Barkley. Um, I didn't agree with him going to Chelsea. I always thought he was a United type player, and he would have suited United. Um, but obviously, he made the decision to go to the Blues. It hasn't worked out for him. Uh, obviously, due to the positions that he was playing, he's a number 10, he's not a number 8 or a number 6. And, you know, Chelsea just wasn't playing that position at the time. Um, but now he's gone into Aston Villa where they are. And again, like Alice said, he's got a new lease of life and he's playing, he's falling in love with football again. Yeah. And, and now we're starting to see the Ross Barkley of old. And, uh, I love the fact that we're seeing that now and fair play to, to Aston Villa for getting him on a loan because now they've got Barkley and Grealish, two number 10s causing havoc and they've got Ollie Watkins who was just a standout performer for the championship team, Brentford. So, you know, they will they will tail off like Marjeev said but I do believe that they will cause teams problems just because of the, the more creativity now in midfield. Um so that that's that and the last last game we will touch upon it was which was Monday's game, Leeds versus Wolverhampton, um, which ended in a one nil um a snatch a smash and grab one nil performance which obviously I believe Wolves dominated and could have actually won a lot more. Um, but Alan, I'll go with you. Um, you actually predicted a 2-1 win for Leeds. Um, yeah. So why did you go for Leeds? And if you did watch the match, uh, what, what was your take on it? I didn't re- I only watched the highlights. Um, but I, I initially thought the Wolves could easily catch snatch a goal, uh, which they did. They could have had two. One was disallowed for uh, offside or something. Uh, both amazing goals. Um, I just, I thought Leeds had like solid firepower to at least grab a goal or two, but, um, I guess, um, who's it in goal? Uh, is it Ricardo? Pet- um, who's the Wolves Rui, goalkeeper again? Rui, Rui Patricio. Oh, yes, Rui, yeah, Rui, Patricio, sorry, not Ricardo. Yeah. Rui, yeah, yeah, Patricio. And, uh, yeah, he's on form, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, the only comment I can think about in that game was that, uh, Jimenez was lucky not to get a card for yes. kicking out right at the end. I mean, like, I'm not too sure if VAR looked at it, but I mean, you can clearly see he does kick out against the guy. So, um, yeah, bit of a mental one, that one. But I mean, they got three points at the end and he didn't get a card. They didn't get a red card for that. So, yeah, Wolves consider themselves pretty lucky for that, I'd say. Yeah. Mm. I, um, I watched uh, the first half. Um, I could have watched the second half, obviously. Um, working early so couldn't stay up to watch all the football but um, I watched the first half and the first half was very good it was end-to-end stuff Leeds was obviously taking it to Wolves 
um, and Wolves is taking it to Leeds and approaching the second half and into the second half of the day, I did watch um, Wolves just showed their superiority um, and they were all over Leeds mm. and really and truly they could have scored more than one goal. Um, I actually backed Leeds to win though. The reason why is because they've tested the big teams. They've tested Liverpool. They tested Man City. Could have got a win against Liverpool. And I believe they did get a win against Man City or they drew with them. So, you mm. know, they're, they're showing that they're not going to be pushed over. They're really not. And I thought, you know, when it comes to every year when a new team gets promoted, there is always that one team that stands out that always likes to lay the benchmark for causing a lot of issues and problems with teams in the league. And Leeds is that team. And I saw it as with the lack of firepower with Jota being sold um, for Wolves um, and obviously with with um, the new new strike force in Neto and Poland, so not really hitting the ground running yet. Um, I saw it, I thought, you know what, Leeds just might have a bit too much for them. Obviously, I, I was wrong and Wolves managed to, to snatch a 1-0 lead, so fair play to them. Um, but I'll move on to you, Marjorie. Do you actually agreed with both myself and Alan and went for a Leeds uh, win as well, but your, your prediction was quite outlandish. You said 3-2. Um, so why did you go for that prediction? And what um, your thoughts I, on the match? I went for the prediction because I thought both teams are very attacking. They like, to, they, they like to attack. They don't really care too much about defending in the sense of they're very um, audacious when it comes to the type of football that they play. So for me, I felt it was going to be a game of many goals. I thought that it was going to... Like the game... It was a game of two halves. For me, it was, um, Leeds dominated the first half in terms of possession, in terms of getting chances and stuff like that. And I think Wolves couldn't handle Bielsa ball at the, in the first half, especially down the right side. Uh, Helder Costa was up against, uh, Sice, who is, who was playing left wing back, but he's normally a center back and he couldn't handle him. So anytime they went, uh, Leeds went down the right, they were, they were ripping him. They were ripping him. They were creating chance after chance. And I feel like, the only problem Leeds had is that they never really got a proper striker. I mean, they got Rodrigo in, but they were playing him at centre mid, which made no sense. And the way Leeds played was amazing in terms of their players are fluid. They move around different places. Uh, one, mo- one moment you'd see their right centre-back playing right wing. One moment you see their centre mid striker, you know. The, the Bielsa ball in the first half was uh, top-notch. And I feel like if they had a more potent striker in terms of finishing, that was a, a bit of uh, upgrade on Bamford. They would have scored some goals in the first half, and I think my prediction could have happened in the sense that they had two or three chances where they could have done it. And then, obviously, it turned around because Wolves are a team that likes to play in the second half. For some reason, the first half, they're asleep, and then they wake up in the second half. They, they, they do it every game, and that's when the change happened. They they put the pressure on. They... um. They were more on the ball and that led for them to score the goal. And for me, in the second half, they just dominated in terms of what they were doing going forward. Obviously, they got Triary off the bench. He adds a new dimension to their attack, the new problem for the defenders to deal with. And then, yeah, pretty much that led to 
Wolves winning in the end, one nil, comfortable. But yeah, it was it was a great game in terms of football. As as a neutral, it was beautiful watching two uh, contrasting styles of football going up, up against each other. Two great managers, and it's um it's a shame that they're at those teams because I look at the managers at United, at Chelsea, at Arsenal, and then I see these two men, and I'm like, they're in the wrong they're in the wrong jobs. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I I think um, probably not Bielsa because um, I believe at some point he'll probably go back home or retire, um, and that's obviously why Leeds are constantly renewing his contract by the year and not by the lengthy figure of say three years. Um, but in terms of Nuno, um, Nuno one hundred percent has the credentials and the ability to manage a top six club hundred percent. Um, and I feel like that will potentially happen. Um, obviously, Oli's position at the moment is, is assured and with the victory against PSG today, he'll be in there a lot longer. But no doubt, I think Pochettino is United's first choice. Mate. Um, in terms of Tottenham, you know, we all know the, the, the Mourinho, um, uh, third season sabbatical, uh, yeah. or diabolical. Diabolical seasons where he likes to just go on routes or, or he loses the changing room, so maybe his position might be up for grabs. Um, and then also, you know, we've we mentioned earlier that you know Pep, um, Pep could this could be his last season, season, so maybe you know Nuno could go there. So there are a few top six positions that might, that might be available to him, but you know it would be good to see what. His skills and his his ability um, can be in a, in a bigger team, in a bigger yeah. squad. Um, but yes, I would like to move on swiftly to the Champions League. Probably won't touch the Europa League just because our team is in the Champions League. Um, I mean, obviously, I would do Europa League, but Chins isn't here, so there's no point touching the, the, the competition if someone's not here to represent the team. So um, we'll, we'll just do the Champions League for today and then cool. see when Chins does return, then we'll touch upon the Europa League for this team. But really and truly, who cares about Arsenal and football anyway? <laughs> so, so, so the Champions League, I'll say the group stages, so if you guys have your app to look at it as well, then yeah. But Group A is Atletico Madrid by Munich. Um, RB Salzburg and Locomotive Moscow. Group B e is uh, uh, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Group C is FC Porto, Man City, Marseille, and Olympiacos. Group D Ajax, Atalanta, uh, Michelin, and Liverpool. Group E, Chelsea, uh, what's it, Krasnodar, I hope I'm not butchering it, so apologies if, if fans are supporting that, that club, um, uh, Rennes and Seville, uh, Group F, Lazio, Club Bruges, uh, Zenit uh, and Borussia Dortmund, Group G, Barcelona, Juventus, Dynamo Kiev, and Ferenc Varos. I don't know how to pronounce that, so 
again apologies if I do butcher it and the last group which is group H RB Leipzig Man United PSG and Istanbul Buyaks so the question is from those groups who do you believe will progress past the group stage okay so for me for group a it's a no-brainer Atletico Madrid by Munich okay for group b no-brainer again Inter Milan Real Madrid for group c no-brainer Man City Marseille group d I will support my team, obviously, so Liverpool. And I'm going to go with Ajax to go through. For Group E, Chelsea and Seville. Group F, Dortmund and Lazio. Group G, Barcelona, Juventus. Group H, just because I don't like United. <laughs> RB Leipzig and PSG. Um, we did so win today as well, yeah. So we did win that. today. I know, but I, I, I expect you guys still not to go to bottle it. <laughs> of course. So those, yeah. those are generally my predictions to go through. And to be honest with you, I think every single group minus United's because United is to me the toughest group um, in the Champions League campaign. But every mm. single group, I believe, is all winnable for all the all the top clubs right now. Um, everyone all has an easy group, so that's generally my opinion for those that will go through. Um, Margie, what's your what's your opinion? Uh, for Group A, the same Athletic Madrid and Bayern. I think they should go through. I don't think I don't think the other two teams have a chance. Uh, group B, that's an interesting one because I think Borussia Mönchengladbach is a team that can cause problems. So I have a feeling that they might go through, and I'm gonna go with them. And Hala Madrid, obviously, I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, for C, I don't even know because Porto, Porto sticks out to me as a team that could go through. So I'm gonna go with Porto and Man City. Okay. Obviously, Marseille, Marseille's within a shout, but I think Porto has that pedigree. <coughs> uh, D, ah, it's definitely Liverpool, but the second team, I'm gonna go Atlanta over Ajax. I'm gonna go Atlanta over Ajax. I think last season they they did really well, and I think they're gonna continue that. And they never they, they haven't really lost any of their players too tough. So, and I think like Ajax is Ajax no, they have haven't. Some, only just Castagna, and that's it. Yeah, and Ajax got rid of uh, Van der Beek, and I don't, and obviously Ziyech. some and Ziyech as yeah, well. Yeah. So I think they're not gonna be as potent. Yeah. Um, Group E, obviously, I got back my 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 boys Chelsea and. Second team, it could be Rennes or Syria. Um, I'm going to say Rennes because Sevilla likes the European League, so them men are going to just you know. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> the men are, are going to be like uh, European League again, yay! Yeah. <laughs> and then win it. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, group F. I'm going to say Lazio, and I don't know. I feel like Zenit might be a team that causes problems. I feel wow. like they could be. Okay. They did lose to Club Rouge today, but I don't know. The Russian team going to Russia isn't really nice. 
Um, yeah, I'll put Dortmund just ahead. I will put Dortmund just ahead. Uh, a little update on that, though. Uh, I think Borussia Dortmund lost against Lazio today, 5-1 or 4-1. I have to double-check it. Yeah, I think it's like 5-1, which is just mental. Lazio, I mean, they're coming up a renaissance, man. They come, they're resurging again, man, Lazio. So it's nice to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Dortmund will do well against the other teams. Definitely, definitely. definitely. I mean, Group G, Barca, Juve. I mean, the other two teams might as well just go home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Group H is an interesting one. Um, I'm gonna go Leipzig and United. I think PSG. Wallet. I don't. Ooh. I don't trust their manager. I feel like yeah. of a cup into the final last season and and the way they lost and. The way they played, well, the way that it looks like they play and stuff, I don't think they're going to have the same ambition. I, mean, I feel like some of their players want to leave, want to move on. So Yeah, I get that. Yeah. That's, that is true. Yeah. That's never I, really good. Cause, sorry. Um, yeah, like it's never good because didn't Mbappe say that at the start of the season, this is probably my last year and I'm thinking about leaving next year. That's never really good to have in your kind of like the squad because then like, that's one of your best players. And now everyone's just looking at each other thinking, shit, if he goes next year, I mean, like, what are we going to, like, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it causes a bit of friction between the players. Yeah. So no, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think their top two players, Neymar and um, Mbappe, do want to leave. I think Neymar wants to go back to Barca. I think yeah. Mbappe wants to probably go to England. So he'll yeah. probably either come to Chelsea or Liverpool, in my opinion. One of them clubs. Whoever pays the money for him. Um, mm. maybe even see, maybe even see, they need a striker. And mm. um, yeah, for me, it's going to be Leipzig and United. I think, yeah, I think United will finish second, Leipzig will top the group, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I so think PSG will go Europa. We'll see, we'll save the best tool last, which is you, Alan, because your team did earn a big victory against PSG. So, uh, go for you, go for oh, it. This it is how important this podcast is to me. I missed that second half, I missed that goal, but then somehow fit that. Game again, but uh, in regards to the group stage, I'm literally exactly the same as uh, Marju in regards to everything he said, in reg- except for Group H. So I agree with Group A, B, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Porto, and Man City. Same reason, Porto with that pedigree. I just, uh, just don't think Marseille has it. Uh, same Atalanta, Liverpool for the same reason. Just feel like Atalanta have kept more players than Ajax have. Uh, same in regards to Group E. I've chosen Chelsea and I just feel like Seville won't make it through. Um, like, I just think Europa League is where it's at for them. So they'll probably get back to the Europa League. Uh, I've got Borussia Dortmund and Lazio, Barcelona and Juve. And the only difference I've got here is Man United and PSG. Okay. Only because PSG, I don't know, I feel like Man United are just PSG's bogey, bogey team. Do you know what I mean? They just can't seem to... I mean, at home, they can't seem to beat us um, with fans or without fans. Um, Oli seems to have a hold on him. Uh, but like as we said earlier in the podcast, or I don't know if we was recording at the time, but I mean, he needs to... Uh, what's, his, uh, what's the manager's name? Is it two, two Thomas Tuchel. Two, yeah, yeah, Tuchel. Um, he needs to win the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? He needs to win the Champions League for them. He's won everything else. Uh, and he's going to have to put all his, like Pep, he's going to have to put all his eggs into the Champions League and just make sure he wins it. Uh, and he's going to, yeah, he's definitely going to have to make sure he gets through the group stages. But um, I think, yeah, I think he, they'll just edge it. I, I mean, I think they'll win the group stages and I think United will edge it 
second place maybe above RB Leipzig. So that's how that's where I see it. But uh, okay. yeah, man, it'll be an, it'll be an interesting one. Still staying on you, uh, Alan. Who do you think will uh, win the Champions League? <sighs> oh, I'm going to be a bit delusional here. I'm going to say United. I'm going to say we're going to get there, man. I'm feeling it, man. Listen, back your wheel. team, man. Go for it. you got to back your no, team. Why not? If, yeah, if not, if I had to be completely honest, uh, I see I see an all-German final. I see Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund at the finals. And uh, I would love Dortmund to win it, but if I reckon, I reckon it'll be back-to-back wins for Bayern Munich. I reckon they'll win the Champions League again. But um, yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. What about you, uh, Marjorie? Um, I think this year's Champions League is very hard to predict in terms of who you think is going to win. Uh, it's a bit too early to say, but in terms mm. of teams that I think are going to be there, in, in for England, uh, maybe Man City, I think they have one last chance to do it. So yeah. I think they might just put, as, as PSG, put all their eggs in one basket and go for it because they came close last season. And they need to just put the extra effort to get there. Um, in terms of the French league, PSG, I don't think PSG are going to make it this year. I think their players are, their heads are in other places. Their midfield is shocking without Ratty. Mm. So if they don't bring them back soon, I don't think they're going to make it. Um, in terms of German clubs, Munich is always going to be a shout. He's going to, they're going to be in the semi-finals, definitely. Um, in terms of Italian teams, Juve, Inter, maybe Juve. Juve, because Ronaldo, he wants that Champions League. He's probably going to be more into and and more into wanting to do it under Perlo. It could be the same magic that Real Madrid had with Zidane. You never know. In terms of Spanish clubs, I don't think Barca are. I think they're, they're, they're washed. They're, they're, they're from a bygone era now. Um, and Madrid, I don't think they're going to do it. So for me, it's either... It's gonna be either Juve, Bayern, or City, Man City. I think one of them three. But uh, interesting. Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. What was he gonna say, Marjorie? I also have a dark horse in Atlanta. I'm gonna put them in a dark horse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. We might as well put a bet on that for mm. Sky Sports. Mm. See what yeah. odds are saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I don't know. You know, I I don't know what man would be. Um, just because all of the European teams, including the British teams, are just not on form right now. Mm. Um, Atletico. I love Diego Simeone to bits. I think he's one of my favorite managers, and he was a manager before Klopp. That I said I would like Liverpool to have signed, but. He's still playing the same stealth football at Atletico. He's not adapting his philosophy. And, you know, that's going to be the death of him at Atletico Madrid. Um, Inter, Inter Milan, I do like Conte, but, you know, he's just like a, a Mourinho, but an Italian version. You know, he, he explodes all the time and, and, and you know, you, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. You know, he could have been fired this season, but they kept him on. And right now he he lost in the Milan derby, and you know that's not really a good start. Um, so I don't know. Um, Real Madrid, maybe. Um, Zidane's come back for you know, for probably that purpose. 
um, maybe um, Bayern Munich, you know, their machine. Um, and, you know, uh, I said last, last year, I predicted them to win it. Um, and they won it. Um, so maybe they could do it again. Um, Man City, I don't know why Man City is always the favourites to win the Champions yeah. League. How can the team that's never won it be the favourites to win it and they always bottom it in the quarters and semi-finals? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I believe they will bottle it again. Um, I don't have faith in Pep and I've always said this. Um, I believe he's a fraud. So I genuinely don't think he will win, win it with Man City. I think his time is done in terms of winning that trophy. Unless he signs Messi in a, in a trans, January transfer window. He's not winning it, um, but that's just my 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 um, opinion. And in terms of Liverpool, if Van Dijk didn't get injured, then you know maybe I could say my team would be there. But I don't think we're going to be there at all. Uh, we'll one hundred percent progress through, but I don't think we're going to be there at all. Um, I think we'll get knocked out again um, in the quarters. Um, you know, I, I'm just being realistic. Maybe there's Liverpool, Liverpool fans out there that's not expecting me to say that, and that's fine. Um, but you got to be realistic. And you, in order for you to win the Champions League, it's not just about the attack. You have to have a solid base in defence, goalkeep and defence. Yes, we've got the goalkeep, but he's currently not on form right now. And yes, we do have the defenders, but the main lead tenant, the main leader is injured right now. So, you know, are we going to have that frantic um, heavy metal type football where we go to games and win 4-3 and 5-4 and, and, you know, just outrageous scorelines? You can't do that in European football. You have to play a different style. Um, so I don't think we will. Um, Chelsea, I don't think Chelsea will. Um, I just think it's just too early in Lampard's career and it's just too much for the young boys right now. Um, I think give them maybe two, three years and they definitely will be challenging for that trophy 100%. They've got the calibre, they just need to sort out certain position and Lampard needs a bit more experience in the competition. Um, that's if he still get, gets given that time. Um, Seville, no, because they're the Europa League merchants. So they're not gonna they're not gonna win it at all. Um, Dortmund, I, I have a huge soft spot for Dortmund, but they're not gonna be nowhere near that trophy. Um, Barcelona, like Marjorie said, I agree with him. I feel like Barcelona's past their prime, and they're no longer gonna be the the dominant force that they used to be in European competitions. Um, and it's proven that because they bowled it, bowled it against Roma and they bowled it against us. So, you know, I just don't think they're going to be there anymore. Juventus is too early in Perlo's career. And yes, they do have Ronaldo, but Ronaldo can only do so much. Um, it's not like Real Madrid. Real Madrid still had solid players in their team to help Rome, to help Ronaldo. Um, Juventus just doesn't have that. Um, and yes, it's Perlo's first season at club management ever in his career. I think the Champions League would be a bit too much. Um, United, 
Just know. Freestyle Ollie is not going to do it. I'm sorry. It's, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> hey, uh, you never know. Right. If United ever does it, I will tattoo United on my arm if that ever happens. Boy, you guys all heard it here. Luke, I tattoo. Said <laughs> I said it. I said it. Yeah. Uh, um, PSG, no. Just from what Marjub said, I 100% agree and what Alan said as well. Um, you can't have players whose heads have already gone in terms of them wanting to leave mm. in, in your team. Um, you've two calls already having to manage big, huge egos now to manage an unhappy superstar like Mbappe and Neymar because they want to leave isn't going to help the harmony in the squad. Um, and I believe Tuchel has taken them as far as he can take them in terms of the Champions League final last year. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to win it at all. So if I had to round it up and nail down the final and the winner, for me, the final will be Bayern Munich. I'm going to back them again. Just because they're just a well-oiled machine and they've got experience, a nice blend of experience and youth in every position and they're just continuing every year, just buying more youth just to strengthen because they're planning for the, for the next five, ten years in dominating the European scene, the Bundesliga. Um, so for me, Bayern Munich has to win it again. In terms of the opponent that they're going to face, I reckon it's going to be Bayern Munich versus Real Madrid. Um, I've got Real Madrid for this one. Um, I do. I believe Zidane, yes, they didn't spend because of COVID, but the fact that they've managed to keep the core of the players um, and they've brought back players like Martin Odegaard, exceptional baller, um, like players like those guys that can help benefit and offer new ideas, new creativity, new inventions, mm. I think they're going to be alright. I, I personally believe they're going to be alright. And I feel like Zidane is who won the league last season. Yes, the main focus point might be the league again, but I know who's going to win the Champions League this season. So that's my prediction. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Champions League final come the end of the season. So, I'm going to leave it there on the uh, podcast. Um, the next show will be on Thursday at 9pm. We will be previewing the fixture results for the weekend for the Premier League. Um, we will also predict the results and hopefully I will get more points Chins will get himself on the board with points. Maybe Marju might remain on top, or maybe Anna might be able to sneak in. Um, but you guys will only know if you tune in again next week. So please continue on supporting the show. Please continue on um, uh, supporting us. Um, as I said, the link for the FFL will be in the description for you to keep an eye out on what's happening and who's getting the predicted results correct. On top of that, we will also discuss the European Super League, as mentioned by Alan, 
I think that's a brilliant topic to discuss because it's currently what's being discussed right now, currently. Um, but I will sign out. This is Luke, aka Luciano, signing out off of the show. Boys, say your piece. It's Marjorie, aka Abdullah Show, um, here to heal the world. I'd just like to say, I'm also putting this out there that uh, Leipzig is going to be a dark horse for me as well. Just in Nagelsmann we trust. But yeah, man, I had a great show. Another another great show. And yeah, see you on the next one. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, adding on to that, uh, I reckon, I think I to say it, but I reckon United potentially to the semi-final. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be hopeful. Uh, and to be honest, if we do reach the semi-finals, I'm probably going to say we're going to hit the finals as well. But yeah, uh, I'm Alan, also known as Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, see you guys on Thursday. Peace. Boom. Take care, guys. <laughs>